0: So, Esther chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, so which edict is that? Which edict are they talking about? Kill the Jews. Kill the Jews. That's, that's the, the one that, that uh, what was the guy's name? Haman had tricked him into signing. You know, tricked him. He, he was drunk. I mean, you, know, you can imagine he was, he'd been partying for days, and uh, he, Didn't he know just, he's doing. You, ever, you any of you ever watch uh, MASH mm-hmm. when the radar would come in with a whole bunch of uh, papers to sign? <laughs> oh, yeah. and not, yeah. oh. What am I signing? <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. Just sign away. And so, uh, on the day, on this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them the Jews assembled in their cities and all the provinces of king Xerxes to attack those who determined or de- attack those who determined to destroy them no one could stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them and all the nobles of the provinces the satraps the governors the king king's administrators helped the Jews because fear of Mordecai had seized them, Mordecai had, it was prominent in, his, in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces, and he became more and more powerful.
1: It's amazing, Zach. Cloth the ashes at the king's gate to a feared person. Mm-hmm. Number two in all the land. Yeah.
2: But why would they fear him?
1: <laughs> because
0: of the, how God had, had uh, worked. I'm sure they heard the story. You know how saw the parade. Saw the parade. They saw how all that worked. Honored he was, and they uh, they saw that uh, um, you know there was no TV. There was not that, that was what was happening in Susa was the was the news of the day, and especially when somebody gets elevated like that, especially someone who is a Jew, you know they and they hear all of that story.
2: So they feared him more for who his friends were, mm-hmm. probably as opposed to he wasn't doing bad things or he mm-hmm. wasn't. Oh yeah, no, not because he wasn't.
3: He, he, no, they, they weren't afraid of him for bad things. They were, they they were in, were in awe of, his, of the power that he had and he could wield yeah. over them if he chose to do it. Yeah, yeah.
0: how honored he was. How honored he was, and how God had, had uh, worked on his behalf um, oh, no. through that whole situation. I'm sure, like I say, the, the story was told all over and over again. You know, there's a new, there, the, you know, the, Heyman, the, the Secretary of State has been killed, and there's a new Secretary of State, and this is how he got into power. And it even said, you know, that Haman's family was afraid. You know, they, they said, you know, you can't stand against this guy because he's a Jew. And uh, um, I'm sure that spread throughout the, the country. So, yeah, all of those things put into one. Mm-hmm.
3: Do you think that there may be, it was still some residual or some, you know, had been brought down through the generations of how the Israelites conquered everyone when they came in contact with?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, those, those stories... It, you know, even even today, you you hear about the um, even the folklore. Whether they knew it was true or not, <laughs> it was folklore. Um, but yeah, when you and you know, that sometimes the folklore can be even more uh, fearful than the truth because the know. stories just kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger. Exactly. Well, I mean, I remember during uh, Gulf War One, they wondered why the the uh, um, what's his name uh, Saddam's. Uh, Saddam's uh, uh, imperial guard whatever the guard was turned and ran well they had told each other all the the, the horror stories how how the Marines were coming and the Marines to get become a marine had to kill their mother you know and that was the the um, the stories kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and so they were just scared to death same thing here yeah it just keeps getting bigger and and the story doesn't have to get too big because here the you know God was definitely
1: working on on his behalf so to tag on to what uh, Diane said uh... If I remember back a few chapter or whatever, when uh, uh, when Haman was mad at Mordecai and his wife said, "If something about it is a Jew, you can't stand against me." Mm-hmm. So.
0: If there's moments of silence on the recording, it's because I thought, thought I had time to eat something before. Uh, <laughs>
2: Yeah, so mm-hmm. we're all going to stop talking, right? When you think you're going to have something to talk about, right we'll just stop. Right when I
0: put something in my mouth, <laughs> we'll catch him every time. And
2: they'll go, why is this tape three hours long tonight? <laughs> so it's refreshing
0: and getting so
2: much dead space.
0: <laughs> so the Jews struck down all their enemies with a sword, killing and destroying them, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. So the Jews had <clears throat> had enemies, but... God fought on their behalf. He moved through this whole situation, and when we get done, when we get to the end of this, there's a there's a uh, kind of a compilation of all of the how God moved at every step that I'm going to read through. And It's actually quite amazing how at every step God took care uh, or was leading through this whole this whole ordeal. So they had their enemies, um, yet they had someone greater on their side. God, yes, but also the king, because now remember the king is on their side. So who's going to fight against their own king? They, even though the decree was sent out and they could kill the Jews, the king made a new decree and saying, you know, that hey, we're you know we're going to fight on the on the side of the Israelites. Uh, it's a kind of a it's kind of it's a very uh, what a, what a turning of tables, I guess, is the best way to say it. With the king for them, it was it didn't matter who was against them. So the, the Jews defeated all their enemies. Um, we have our own enemies, but the king of kings is on our side. We have no reason to fear. Uh, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, this is Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 6 of chapter 9. In the synodal of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. They also killed a bunch of names here, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, the 10 sons of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, but they did not lay hands on the plunder. So they, they killed all of his sons. Um, the number of those killed in the citadel of, Sus- citadel of Susa was reported to the king that same day. The queen, the king said to Queen Esther, the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and the ten sons of Haman in the citadel of Susa, what have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, now, what is your petition? So that it didn't just end there. The king was so upset by by all the things that had happened that he says, "Okay, we're not, you know, that we've done this part. We've done what you asked. Is there anything else you want me to do?" <laughs> I mean, he is truly um, reconciling, or, or not reconciling, but making up for. Um, for this, for what it, what he had done to his even his own queen. So now, what is your petition? It will be given to you. What is your request? It will also be granted, if it pleases the king. your answered, "Give the Jews in Susa permission to carry out this day's edict tomorrow also, and let Haman's ten sons be impaled on poles." So the king commanded that this be done. An edict was issued in Susa, and they, they impaled the su- ten sons of Haman. The Jews in Susa came together on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they put to death in Susa three hundred men, but they did not lay hands on the plunder. Meanwhile, the remainder of the Jews, they didn't lay hands on the plunder, why? What do you think? They
4: belong to the queen. Belonged
0: to the queen? Oh, that's <coughs> that's, a, that's a good... Yeah, I never thought of it. He gave her everything. Was it Mordecai that he gave it to? So no, he gave he it, it to the Queen. Game. Yep. He
1: could, um, for me, I think it's a matter of this uh, purpose. Um, they didn't kill him for their spoil. Mm-hmm. They killed him to protect him, so I think they were sending a message. Mm-hmm.
2: We don't need it. Yeah.
0: Yep. Public opinion. You know, if they have gone in and killed him and then taken everything, what would the rest of the rest of the kingdom think, you know, the other people in the kingdom, yeah, so it's, they didn't
1: they were sending a message, excellent yeah, excellent idea. It could have been the, uh, the idol worship thing too, though mm. you know, because I'm, I'm assuming that these Jews that stood up and thought were more of your orthodox type rather than your secular type and so they probably didn't know anything to do with all their pagan stuff too yeah, could be excellent,
0: it doesn't tell us, but it just you know,
1: so far it's what
0: so the king commanded that this be done, and an edict was issued in Susa, and they impaled the ten sons of Haman. The Jews in Susa came together on the 14th day, but we already read that, but they did not lay hands on the plunder. Meanwhile, the remainder of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also assembled to protect themselves and get relief from their enemies. They killed 75,000 of them, but did not lay hands on the plunder. This happened on the 13th day of the month of Adar. And on the 14th, they rested and made a day of feasting and joy. Uh, They had everything except the uh. (laughs) bacon-wrapped... Many have criticized Esther for this, saying it it showed a lack of love towards her enemies. Yet she displays the same principle found so often in Joshua, she would not settle for less than total victory. And many times, this is actually actually a principle... Uh, taught in the Old Testament, and I believe it does carry over to the New Testament. In the New Testament, we're not, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not, we're not fighting against people. But when we fight against the enemies of God, whatever tries to raise itself up above the, the, the glory of God, we need to wipe it out. We need to not have mercy on it. We need to not let it live. If, you, if, you have, if God's giving you the, the, uh, the ability to uh, eradicate it, then you kill it all the way. You don't leave some of it live. And Joshua was that way. God told him, "Kill everything. Kill every man, woman, child, animals. You know, um, burn whatever you don't kill." And that just sounds that sounds very cruel. And and I was just having a conversation with somebody recently, and we were talking about how do you justify uh, the God of love with the God of the Old Testament? You know, He's the same person or He's the same entity. But how do you justify a God of love with a God that says kill everything? Well, what, he's, what the, the principle that is being shown there is that whatever is evil, because, God, because uh, God told Abraham that the reason you're going to fight and wipe these people out is because of their sin. Their sin was being stacked up against them. And these were horrible these were, these were people who sacrificed their own children in the fire. You know, among other things, there was all kinds of evil that they had done for years, and God was judging them through the Israelites. And the, the punishment or the judgment was annihilation, absolute wiping out. And whenever jo- uh, Joshua didn't do that, it came back to bite him every single time. And so...
3: It, even in, in Esther, it came back hundreds of years later. With Haman, he was an Agagite that didn't get wiped out by Saul exactly. four or five hundred years ago.
0: Yep. And you can see that, that, that sin not taken care of will do that in us now. Mm-hmm. And so, what was the name of the, the prophet who, I think it was Samuel? Was it Samuel? Oh, Saul? Was it Saul who, yeah. who was supposed to take the, the, the arrows and strike them on the ground? Oh, I don't know. You're no, I thought it was Elijah know? and... Uh, one of the other kings, he said, go and strike the ground with these arrows. And, and as you do it, that will, that will signify your defeat over this group of people. And he struck the ground three times. And the, and the prophet yells at him. He goes, why did you do that? Why, why didn't you, you strike the ground six or seven or eight times? Because if you had, it would have shown that you were going to wipe them out completely. As it is, by only striking the ground three times, you're only going to win this battle. And you're going to have to fight another one later. And so the idea that that you don't just do it part way, you finish the job, you kill it with sin in our life, with with um, with whatever tries to raise itself up uh, against the glory of God. When you're when you're fighting against it, you don't give it quarter, you don't give it uh, room to survive, you kill it completely. Otherwise, you'll deal with it again; it'll come back. So Esther was doing that here. She asked that they once and for all uh, wiped them out, and they did. It's interesting,
1: you know, the Lord says the sins of the Father be passed to the third and fourth generation, and I know Haman was a little beyond that, but, you know, he wasn't too much beyond that third and fourth generation. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. But if you pass a sin on to the third and fourth generation, the third and fourth generation is committing that same sin that got passed on to them. So it's going on to third, third or fourth generation and there's just never a stop to it, is there? There
4: can Um, be,
2: there can be. Well, yeah, there can be, but I mean, incest is probably the biggest one that I've I've seen in my career. Because a lot of the pedophiles that are in there were actually victims. Of parents that were actually victims of grandparents and I mean there's just this huge cycle of that and so the sins of the father are passed on well somewhere it's got to stop because uh, just perpetuating more victims over and over and over again
1: maybe one of the, the maybe one of the reasons the Lord commanded you know for Joshua and Saul to wipe out everything including the babies was because the Lord knows the spiritual side of it passing on you know, whether you know, we can see just the physical side but the Lord could understand the, the spiritual side of the passing on and maybe that's why the key remains that everything even the baby, will be wiped up. Mm-hmm.
2: But it still continues today than what of what was before. So my question is, is how did God change? I mean because it's still the same God.
4: Mm-hmm. How did he change in what way?
2: Well, that he would, why aren't we wiping out all the
4: incestuous well, I, I families think, that are I going on in the We alluded to the, the application for us now is that when we deal with sin, that, that's actually I think the most important thing for us to take from this, in, on this side of the cross is that when we deal with sin, we're to wipe it out entirely. We're not supposed to let a little bit remain like, well, got rid of the major sin, but I'm, I kind of like this one, so I'm going to keep this one around. Well, that always <clears throat> rears its ugly head later on, and, and I think that, that that is for us to take from this. Um, whether whether we really understand the, the reasoning why they wiped out all of their enemy, that, that for us is what, what applies. We can, I mean, we're not supposed to go kill a bunch of people. No, but like
2: when the when the hurricane hit New Orleans, I mean, New Orleans is a town that that I have a stereotype of being wrapped with sin, like a Sodom and Gomorrah type of thing. And so when that hit, I'm like, you know.
4: Yeah, that maybe it, it, this is... It is a bit dangerous to assume that that's the reasoning. Um, oh, thank you. To assume something in general is a dangerous thing to do. but I, I would say that it's a safe assumption that we can take this model of wiping out what is our enemy, which sin is our enemy. That that is what destroys our lives. If we if we eradicate <coughs> all sin from our own lives, that that it will it will be done in a way that that will not rear its ugly head again. And, and so I think that's the most important application for us. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Good. So, so they hung uh, Haman's ten sons, and they were the, the descendants of the Amalekites, the ones who, um, in 1 Samuel 15, 8-33, God commanded Saul, the son of Kish, to execute the full extent uh, of God's judgment against the Amalekites, First uh, Samuel 15 2 and 3. Saul did not do this but he later uh, but, it, but his later descendant of the tribe of Benjamin and the son of Kish and Mordecai, so he was of the same, the same bloodline as Saul finished the job for him. He completed God's judgment against the Amalekites and they did. They finished off the, uh, that is the last time that we hear of the Amalekites as a people, as a people group in history. I think it was the Amalekites were the ones that that people used to use against the Bible, saying, "Well, see, you know, it talks about the Amalekites, and and there, you know, there there aren't any Amalekites, you know, it, it's just a made-up people group until they found the the, the capital city of the Amalekites with the the uh, uh, library of the Amalekites with all of their history uh, written in it. it, and when they found that. Um, in archaeology, then they were like, oh, okay, maybe the Bible is true, you know, you just, so it's even, even things that people didn't know was possible, um, have been later proven. Well, that wasn't too many years ago, right? No, it was at the beginning of the 1900s, it was early on, but, which is not that long ago in, in
1: archaeological, okay, I just, I thought they, they found something a number of years ago that's something like that, that they couldn't prove, and they found the city. So. Well, they're doing it all the time. Yeah, there's more. Maybe it's Philistines or something, I
2: don't know. So where was that found at? Would that be, like, Persia area?
1: The
0: Amalekites were were north of Israel um, in the southern part of Asia and then heading towards Turkey and in that area. The the, the area of the Amalekites was a, was a huge area. At different times. As, the, as their nation grew and fell. And yes. All right, so now this is from uh, Spurgeon. Uh, now it was, uh, Spurgeon was a, was a uh, uh, theologian. Now it was God's intent that, that a last conflict should take place between Israel and um, Amalek. The conflict which began with Joshua in the desert was to be finished by Mordecai in the king's palace. So verse 18, The Jews in Susa, however, had assembled on the 13th and 14th, and then on the 15th they rested and made it a day of fasting and joy. That's why rural Jews, the ones living in the villages, observed the 14th of the month of Adar as a day of joy and feasting, a day of giving th- presents to each other. So Purim was established. Verse, or, uh, begin with verse 20. Mordecai recorded these events and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes near and far to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar. As the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food, which we have done this evening, uh, to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews, verse 23, agreed to continue the celebration they had begun, doing what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman, son of Hammedatha, the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast the purr. that was that, Dice, or it was the, the thing that would cause them uh, to decide what day, um, the, it was like a, a lot or whatever, uh, cast the purr, uh, that is the lot, for their ruin and destruction. But when the plot came to the king's attention, he issued written orders that the evil scheme Haman had devised against the Jews should come back onto his own head, and that he and his sons should be impaled on poles. Therefore, these days were called Purim from the word Pur. Because of everything written in this letter and because of what they had seen and what had happened uh, to them, the Jews took it on themselves to establish the custom that they and their descendants and all who joined them should, without fail, observe these two days every year in the way uh, prescribed and at the time appointed." These days should be remembered and observed in every generation by every family and in every province and in every city. And these days of Purim should never fail to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of these days die out among their descendants. Now that day, even when they celebrate today, it isn't just the day of remembering what happened with Mordecai and Haman. Every time the Jews have been, the people have tried to wipe them out. Can be celebrated how God has has sustained them um, throughout the years, throughout the centuries, uh, uh, thousands of years. How He has sustained them over and over again, even all the way back to Egypt when Egypt tried to crush them, and beyond um, as they crossed through the desert, as they fought through the wars, as they uh, the different the Philistines and the the Amalekites and the, you know everybody who tried to fight against them throughout all the years. Then when they went into um, uh, into exile, and then everything that happened there, obviously with this day of Purim. But then you start looking into the rest of history. I mean, the Hitler tried to destroy them. Um, uh, the Stalin, Soviets tried to tried to destroy them. Uh, others, they're, you know, they have been uh, an attacked people. Forever, But yet
1: they're God's chosen people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why? I mean, so much trauma has happened to all those people. And because they're God's, God's people. I
0: think it's because they're God's people. Do you suppose? Satan, Satan hates anything <coughs> with God's name on it.
1: There
0: go. <coughs> Have you ever seen the movie uh, Defiance? Mm-hmm. The what? Yeah. Defiance. The movie it's Defiance. It's, it's the one with Daniel Craig. Defiance. Defiance. And it's about the, the Belarusian Jews during World War II, when um, the the Nazis went into Belarus and started to systematically annihilate the Jews, um, and then the Russians helped them. The, their Russian neighbors even turned on them. And uh, they were chased. The, there was a, a group of brothers who who uh, uh, went into the woods and over time, over the rest of the war, um, saved over 1,500 uh, yeah. hmm. Of, uh, of the Jews in that area and from other places. And there's a scene in the movie, because the, the, they did a movie about these brothers yeah, and about what they did. Movie, yeah. Oh, it's a fantastic Well, they movie.
2: started out with, like, what, ten people, and it yeah. grew to that. Yep.
0: Yeah. And they, they, by the end group. of the war, they had schools and hospitals yeah. in the woods, d- dug into the ground.
1: I mean, just an amazing story. After uh, the end of the movie, it says, uh, those two men at this time combined uh, there was like forty thousand. Like uh, today, as, as of today, mm-hmm. yes, because of those two, two men, those yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't mean to cut you No, that's great. Was, but there's a scene in the movie
0: that is absolutely amazing, and it's it's of a of a funeral, I believe, and or it's a reading. the 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 person who they chose as the rabbi was doing a reading. He was the most learned man at that point in the in the camp. He was doing a reading, and he was talking about. Um, God protecting them and God choosing them, and he, he starts to pray and he says, "God, why did you choose us? Choose somebody else, you know. <laughs> and if, you know, if we're your chosen people, why you know, choose somebody else?" But that's the truth is, is that because they have God's name on them, Satan wants to destroy them, and and, and he's done that throughout history, um, even till today. You know, why the Jews? Why why does why why is Israel constantly? on alert every moment of every day they're on alert and every moment of every day they're being attacked um, from different different areas or under threat of attack it's because of God's
1: name um, one of the other things that struck me in the movie was uh, when they're out there right when it starts getting going um, the gentleman comes up and basically says you know we need we need to um, educate the children and we need to start basically a synagogue that was like one of their first tribal <coughs> to- Yep. Part their education and study the Bible. And get forest wives. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, forgot the one. Yeah, forest wives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You have to watch the movie to get down.
0: You
2: know, I heard somewhere this week, and I don't, can't remember where it's at. I've got no proof to back this up, but somebody had said that Hitler was actually part Jew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's rumored, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Wasn't his mother
0: Jewish? It's a, a
2: a small part. It yeah, wasn't. it was it was distant.
3: It wasn't
1: immediate. Yeah, it was like a, a thirty second or something. Was a, <laughs> Do you want to count those? Thirty second. <laughs> the little toe. His little toe. <laughs> was, that's a joke in our family. <laughs>
2: we have
0: uh, we have Indian it's blood good. in our family, and somebody goes, "Well, how much are I you?" I thought
2: so. Yeah, I could tell.
0: so, so the. Somebody said, Well how much are you? I said, My little toe. You know, we were just, just in my little toe's of India.
2: That's what we used to say
0: about the
3: Irish, because my grandpa would always deny that we were anything Irish.
2: <laughs>
4: you got a new nickname, Chief Little Toe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> better than some I think. <laughs> better
0: than some. <laughs> Alright. Really Everybody eats something.
1: <laughs>
0: put put something in your mouth. <laughs> Verse 29, so Queen Esther, daughter of Abihail, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter concerning Purim. And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews in 127 provinces of Xerxes' kingdom, words of goodwill and assurance, to establish these days of Purim at their designated times, as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had decreed for them and as they had established for themselves and their descendants in regard to their times of fasting and lamentation. Esther's decree confirmed these regulations about Purim, and it was written down in the records. So, the principle of remembering God's great deliverance is good. And we we too often forget about his great works, what he's done in the past. The Jews didn't make those mistakes. They always, you know, there was always remembrance. Some of it was led by God. Some of them, God said, you need to have a festival that remembers this, Passover. Passover is a is a remembrance of deliverance, um, and so on and so forth. And so to, to celebrate those times, you know, so when, when we talk with each other and we talk about, um, you know, what God has done for us, we call them testimonies. It's powerful to share testimonies and to say, well, this is what God did for me. Um, because, uh, and I heard one person say you know, it, and I can't you know, say this is theologically uh, uh, provable, but it just makes sense. He said, every time you share um, what God has done for you personally, that same power touches the life of somebody else. And that same anointing is there, because when we talk about what God has done for us, um, it reaffirms His goodness. And, his, and it's, it's worshiping him. And so what they were doing during these festivals was, was to um, reaffirm God's goodness, no matter where they were at, no matter what situation. Every year after that, even, they were still in exile. These people hadn't gone back to Israel yet. They celebrated Purim. Throughout the Holocaust, every year, they celebrated Purim. The, the goodness that, hey, God is going to... God, God delivers us, and we can do this. We can, we can make it through. We need to celebrate that same way. Um, and remember what God has done. Well, it's good to say, here's what God did for me. Here's, what, here's how God moved on my behalf. How, the miracle I saw, whether it's big or small, is not the point. The point is, celebrating those things
4: is powerful. I can personally attest that, that just sharing something that, that God has done for you brings it back for you also it strengthens you and whether that other person receives necessarily the same thing that you received from it it revives it in you and i found that that god actually adds to it to bless you as as you share that that you actually get something more in the process and so i i know that it was the turning point for for me um just towards the end of November in retelling a tale of what God had done. And it turned what was quite easily looking like the worst week of my life into probably the best. <laughs> and, and it was from just being deliberate about retelling um, what God had done earlier in me. So. Amen. Amen. All
0: right, so the decree of Esther confirmed the matters of Purim. Today, Purim is one of the more popular Jewish festivals with customs, games, and frolicking. I just put that in. Chapter 10. Very short chapter, but we will finish the book here. King Xerxes imposed tribute throughout the empire to its distant shores and all his acts of power and might together with (laughs) a full account of the greatness of Mordecai Whom the king had promoted, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Media and Persia? Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Xerxes, preeminent among the Jews, and held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews, because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews.
2: Amen. So you really wonder what happened, what kind of man King Xerxes became because he's married to a Jew and his second in command his right-hand man or whatever is a Jew. Mm-hmm. So you have to think that him as a king and his rulership totally changed after that.
0: You would hope so, yeah. Whether he did or not, that's...
2: Mm-hmm. You know, was he, he still assassinated? Yeah, he was assassinated. He was? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, probably by the people that didn't like that he had turned back. There's always Peter. There's always that. (laughs) Maybe he became Jew by marriage, and so he had God's name on him. There you go. Wasn't it pretty common, though, for kings to be
0: assassinated back then? Yeah, their life expectancy was not a full, full life. Even the kings of Israel, you know, there there were not many who lived a full life. Uh, Most of them were. You know, a, a large majority, I should say, has
4: is, is, uh, died. But by the uh, end of the kingship reign, uh, king era, most of them are so bad anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no wonder.
1: David and Solomon are the only ones that really lived to old age, I think.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> yep. Whether they're good or bad, because even, uh, what was the king... <clears throat> What was the king that, that literally wiped out all the idol worship in the... Josiah. Josiah. Josiah was a good king. I mean, the, probably the best king past those two, and of all the kings, and even even among all the good kings, and he was still assassinated. He was still uh, died early. Uh, somebody murdered him. So yeah, it's it was not the, uh, the job description or the life expectancy for a king was not uh, all that great because everybody wants to be king.
4: That's why when they got to the kingdom, they usually wipe out their out adversary, out there. the whole family. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> people are so shocked that Kim Jong-un, the son who's now taking over North Korea, mm-hmm. went and executed his uncle last week. Why is he not surprised by that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of a barrack, but that's where those people live.
0: Well, and it's see, that's Eastern thought rather than Western thought. No. Western thought, oh, well, we would never do that. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we wouldn't actually put a gun into their head, but... They, uh, they, they character assassinate someone. They they run. You know it was uh, Herman Cain. Yeah. Herman Cain will never be able to serve in public again, yeah. even though he was probably he was definitely the better man to to lead our country. But and he probably would have done a very you know good job at running against the sitting president. But because they character assassinated him to the point where you he know probably innocent of all the charges too. The, and they, they more than likely. We don't know. He just wasn't going to put up with it.
2: Just like what's oh, I mean, it's not just like the the thing that just gets me. What's in the news right now is the thing with the Catholic
1: mm-hmm.
2: priest or whatever, and the one that was just recently brought this out down in some other town, and then the, the next day the media turned or somebody turned it on on him and accused him of something that he did in front of a lot of people and it was supposedly an inappropriate touch but but it was oh that was the bishop yeah but i mean you know here he is is speaking out against his own mm-hmm. and saying you know yeah. this shouldn't happen with, we need to restore the church and we need to build people's faith back up in the church and then all of a sudden now mm-hmm. they nail him mm-hmm. you know it's like you, you hit the top people and with it, many
4: fall mm-hmm. Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly.
2: I mean, but you look at back at like Jimmy Swagert and um, Baker. I mean, they were good men. They did something wrong, but they were good men. Satan will take the ones that he can take. Many with them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, a lot, and, and a lot of people walked away from the kingdom. During those times, mm-hmm. uh, don't go to church today. we have, have no have no stomach for anything to do with that. Absolutely,
2: how many people walked away from the Catholic Church? Mm-hmm. I mean, I view it as a cult, anyways. But
1: the views expressed in this class are not necessarily those of the pastor or River
0: Valley Christian Church. But we'll, we'll leave it on the table. Sort through it as you wish. All right. <clears throat> here's some observations of the book of Esther, and just, <clears throat> it was just here's a list of things that are just notable. And so we're going to go through it uh, quite quickly, but but it's just it's just uh, worth uh, looking at again. The book of Esther shows how the hand of God can move in supernaturally natural ways. So. Every event was a natural event. Something happened. But we can see how God guided those situations all the way through to work about His good, to do, to, to finish what He wanted to do. Um, <clears throat> it has been well said that the book of Esther is a record of wonders without a miracle. And therefore, equally, or though equally revealing the glory of the Lord, it sets forth... In another fashion, from what, from that which is displayed in the overthrow of Pharaoh by miraculous powers. A lot of words. I had to, I had to read it twice here. <clears throat> what God did in this situation, there weren't any big miracles. Floods, locusts, burning, you know, uh, all the stuff that, that would happen, like it happened in Pharaoh. In, at Pharaoh's time, yeah, that was miraculous. You know, frogs out of the water, the water turning to blood, all all those things that happened miraculously. Here, they all seemed like normal events. Mm-hmm. The thing is, when you look at them, in you know, you take a step back from the situation, a whole bunch of coincidences happened in such a way that it worked out for their behalf. But we know there's no such thing as a coincidence. It's god instance. God was performing his desires all the way through. And here's a list of them. God arranged the noble Queen uh, Vashti to lose her place. That was the first thing that happened. To be able to get uh, Esther into there, he had to move the queen up. out of there. God arranged for a competition to fulfill Queen Vashti's spot. Because how could he have gotten a Jewish, a young Jewish girl uh, into the pl- place of a queen without something happening that was out of the ordinary? But, so here we have a competition that, that the king goes, hey, or his, his nobleman said, hey, let's have a competition, a Miss, a Miss Susa contest or whatever, Miss, Miss uh, Persia contest. God arranged for Esther to enter that competition. Which is you know she was kidnapped yes, but it was part of God's will. Now that just see here's where theology. If you you know if you if you have a certain way of looking at life that that uh, God can or cannot do these things here he obviously did it. He, the, the things that happened he were God was definitely guiding every step of the way. God arranged special favor for Esther among all the other women. You know was she just the best? Uh, yes, but she, but they recognized her as such. And if you look at your own life, if you if you've seen in your own life, and I've seen it, where God has directed me through jobs and through interviews and and things, where he he allowed us to do certain things. You now we had a, a an opportunity um, that helped us survive during the last couple of years of our of our uh, uh, college degree when we we're going to get our college degree, where. A, a very influential man hired us to take care of his, hand, his house. And the way it happened was I look at it as, as the hand of God. I sent my resume in, which was me being obedient to what God told me to do. But when he looked at and he said there were a couple of hundred applications. Mine stuck out. You said 300 yeah, and
4: I'm, I'm trying not to be, but it was it was. Little story. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
2: but
1: it's,
4: the sad thing is, the guy doesn't remember you now. No, he's he so doesn't. old. <laughs> I asked him. He's
0: like, yeah, he's very old. He probably right. remembers Deb if you ask him about Deb. But, if I ever see seen him last. Anyway, sorry, bro. He, he uh, it was. He, he told me that he, he had 300 uh, 300 applications. He said mine stuck out, and he wanted to hire me. That was it. He was. He didn't want to look at it. He never interviewed another person. He didn't. He just. He saw my my application, read through it once, and said, "That's the guy I want to hire." And he kept calling me day after day until I finally like, we we were gone. Weren't we we had gone somewhere. The day, you know, time before cell phones.
4: Do y'all make it the sports hero of the day?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but that's the, the you know. I I could just see the hand of God. You know, he specifically when I got another job one time. I, I, I was at the college and there was a job posting for a, a maintenance position which fit my, my skills, what I was able to do and so on. So I went and I took the, uh, the information and I went and I said, I'm here to apply for this job. And he goes, why are you here applying for this job? I said, well, I saw the posting down at the cutting. He goes, we haven't even posted this yet. And I said, here's the posting. And he goes, yeah, that's my posting. But he says, I didn't, I didn't do that. He says. I have no idea how that posting got on the job on the board. How does that happen? God's moving. God is, and, and through that, both of us, we had jobs for, for a number of years uh, through, through college. So you know did we have to work? Were there hard times? Yes. Were there other things that happened? Yes, I went through well at that job. but I grew a lot during that job, through, through that situation. God directs our steps. The Bible says that that a way uh, that a man uh, with a seems right to the man.
3: Well, that's a different,
0: that's a different that's verse. A different that's why I got tripped up on it. Um, okay. A man's heart finds
4: his
0: ways, but the Lord directs his steps. But but the Lord directs his steps. So you, we have a we have an idea of where we're going, but God puts the puts the p- the path in front of us, and that's what He was doing here for Esther. God arranged for special favor. God arranged for Mordecai to have access to both Esther and the affairs of the kingdom. He he was he he had a job that put him close to the king. Now at first it wasn't real close. He was at the city gates. What was his job there? It doesn't really say what his job was, but as somebody who sat at the at the city gates in those days, that's that's a, it's kind of lost on us in Western culture, Western 21st century culture. But in those days, if a a man, his job, or if his position was to sit at a city gate, he was an elder of the city. He was somebody who watched over the comings and goings. Um, What they probably were doing was they were recognizing, okay, I know that guy, I know he's trading from such and such. You know, they they had been there for a while. They They were paid to be observant so that enemies couldn't just sneak in through the gates. They were always watching. If, you read in, if we read in the book, uh, when, when talking about Abraham's, way back, uh, Abraham's uh, nephew was Lot. And it says that he was sitting at the city gate when the angels came in. Um, he was an elder of the city. And that's a whole other theological discussion, that he was in Sodom and Gomorrah and he was an elder of the city. He knew what the city was about. He knew what was going on there. And But their job was to watch who was coming and going. It was a position. It was, a, it was a, 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 a position of honor. So Mordecai had that position. Now, he wasn't in the court, but it was at that position is where he heard about the, the plot on Xerxes' life.
3: I also read that... The position to and sitting at the gate they could be, they could act like an attorney or an arbiter be, between conflicts. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's a, yeah, a position of authority then at that point. Mm-hmm. Very good.
2: And we have that nowadays in the prison it's an honored position to work into the control center and you watch who comes and goes and your job is to know who everybody is that's coming in or out of the prison. Mm-hmm. You know to recognize them. That's an honored position? It's an honored position it's a um, um, you don't have to have any contact. <laughs> I mean, it's, not, it's hard to get that job. Mm. People, people covet that job. Um, How come every time you call up there, then they sound real grouchy? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's like to sit there and look at everybody all day long?
3: <laughs> Did you forget to bring cheesecake? Yeah.
2: Justin actually has a testimony to give that's exactly what you're talking about. From sweet. Yes. Well, go ahead, it's not Justin. Mine to did you know that, honey? No. <laughs> yeah. What did you tell me yesterday? It's not mine to give.
1: No, about you praying. That's not mine to give. Okay. So
2: I'll move you right along. <laughs> it Heidi, you have a to give? Heidi got a new job this week.
3: I got a new job this week. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you.
1: What she's going for is... I don't know
3: where we're going with this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
2: don't know if you had shared it with Heidi or not. That's fine. Yeah, I've shared it with Heidi. She's been looking for a new job. She hates her position where she's at right now. She cannot stand it. She's going through the same thing you said you went through. Mm-hmm. I just don't have the guts to say it in church.
0: Um, <laughs> it's in the Bible. It is. <laughs> <laughs>
4: This so
0: she's been, story. she's been asking me <coughs> and most people in our family to pray for her and find a new
4: job uh, for about the last month and a half. <clears throat> I've been kind of lazy at uh, praying about it. <clears throat> um, in fact, I've been so lazy I haven't prayed
0: at all until last Thursday on my way home from work. I prayed that Heidi would
4: find where God wants her to be, that God would put her in the position of where she's supposed to be. The next day she was offered a
1: job at Wells Fargo. There hey, we go. Very cool.
3: He wasted two months
1: of my life. <laughs>
2: but I told him that I believe it's because they're coming together as a man and a wife, and it's him praying for her. This, the prayers of the spouse, I think, are stronger and he had to get in line with. It wasn't until he got in line with her prayers also that God was able to act on it. Then, <laughs> if, am I right on that? That's that's my belief.
4: on are in dangerous <laughs> <Yeah>. territory <laughs> No,
1: I Please answer why we're. (laughs) Can you see my answer? (laughs) When you
2: get married, the spirits become one. I would think that the prayers of the spouse. I mean, you know, if if two spouses are going to be praying about separate different things, how is God supposed to act in their marriage? And and coming into
0: agreement is powerful. Mm -hmm. That's very Mm -hmm. powerful, but it could be a timing thing too. You know, there's there's things to learn at the old place. There's <clears throat> positions or things that need to get in place for the new place. Um, there's all kinds of reasons things happen when they happen. Mm-hmm. Could be I'm praying yeah. for a boy. The
2: wife's praying for a girl who's pregnant well, So then you have a puppy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but
2: the mother is praying for a two-legged <laughs> grandchild.
4: <laughs> so
0: good. All right. So God arranged that the lot that was cast for the 11th month, that gave them 11 months warning to get all, all these things set up before the evil event. God arranged that the decree command that the Jews be killed by private hands instead of by the army of, of Persia. They could have had it set up where the, where the army would have done it. But Haman wanted personal revenge. He wanted to be the one to, to do the killing, which, but it was still the leading of God. God, God you know, he could have had it done a different way. God arranged that Haman restrain his anger and not kill Mordecai immediately. He could have done that. He could have he could have been overwhelmed and dealt with it that way. God arranged for Esther to 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 delay her request, first asking for a banquet and then another banquet, which seems like a lot of extra work on our you know when we look at it, but it really set Haman up. I mean, it put him in a place where he was he was ripe for the picking.
4: Yeah, yeah he bought Esther the time. To come up with a plan, mm-hmm. or to have a plan put on her, mm-hmm. as we told her before, she prayed about it. So yeah,
0: and maybe maybe uh, and, you know talking about God's timing and everything like that. Maybe Xerxes needed to have time to, to you know two banquets to really think his wife was something awesome to give her the re- you know, to fulfill the request. Um,
2: well, and it this. never says that she was planning to have the two banquets. I mean, because you don't know if she like. Chickened out at the last minute, or you what? What the point. reason was behind it? And I mean, most of us know that women tend to kind of drag things out before we ask our husbands things. So. Well,
3: but there, and <laughs> from, <laughs> their, from their customs, their, really? their decisions were made after they had and had, had a banquet.
0: You yeah. know, and that
3: that was part of the custom of the day. And I think she was par- partly following the custom of, of that 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 um, ruler at that time.
4: Mm-hmm. And she had a guy who loved to party, so he was all good, good for a party. Mm-hmm. Got to get him worked, you know. Got to get him <laughs> built up there. God
0: arranged for Haman's anger to come to a peak in one, pers- one specific particular day. God arranged for Xerxes to have a sleepless night. Remember the night that he couldn't sleep and ended up reading the... No, just so happens. Just so happened to turn to the page or the pull the right rock out or whatever they had it written on. Uh, God <laughs> arranged... Was it scroll? scroll? Oh, I said it was a scroll. Okay. God arranged for Xerxes to pick a certain book in a sleepless night. God arranged for uh, Xerxes to read the passage about Mordecai in that particular book. So God's hand in history never rules out our actions, but the actions of Esther and Mordecai were critical to the preservation of the people of God. It was it, the best way I can explain it. When I when when people ask me how does this work. Does does God lead us? Does He make us do things, or do we just happen to do it anyway? Or how does God do this? I believe it works together. It's two. It's, it's God doing both. It's it's God doing His thing. We need to be obedient. Now, like like Mordecai said to Esther, if you don't do it, God could raise somebody else up. That's that's not a you know, and He has plenty of time to do that. However, He was going to do it. So. If Esther had not done her part, God would have still fulfilled his plan, but just not through her. Because he had a plan. He had a plan that, that Jesus was going to come from the line, this, this line of succession from Abraham. And the only way that could happen is if they're alive. Okay, And so he's going to make this work out. The same thing in our life. God has a plan for your life. Now, can that plan be thwarted? I believe it can, by our disobedience. But His big plan of what He's doing in the earth that includes you, He's still going to fulfill it one way or another. It's just whether He's going to do it through you, that's the question. Whether He's going to allow you, or you allow yourself to be a part of that plan um, is what's important. There are people groups, that are going to be reached. Now now you might think, well, wait a second, what do I mean by that? There are, there are people in this world who need to hear the gospel. And you're a part of it. You're a part of it one way or another. Whether you're the person who actually goes and does it, which may be the furthest thing from your understanding right now, you might think there's no how could I possibly ever do that? Or you're the person through whom God will supply the finances. Because there's some people that send and some people that go. Um, that, that seems to make more sense to some people. But, but then, or, or you're the person who's supposed to pray for it. But if you don't do any one of those things, for whatever part you're supposed to play, if you don't do it, somebody else will. God can work that out. He, he's, not, he's not limited to your choice. But whether you reap the benefit of it or not, that's the question. Because as being a part of that plan, whether it's providing the ability for somebody to go or to pray for those certain people or to actually be the one who goes, that is your part to play. And if you don't do it, somebody else will. I've seen that happen in in the world. I've seen that happen in, in life, even in the kingdom, where someone refused to do what God told them to do. God still did what he was going to do. He just did it through somebody else. And so um, we have to decide then to be soft and go, okay, God, what's my part to play? What am I supposed to do? Who am I? What am I supposed to do? And, and, and just talking about someone hearing the gospel is one aspect of life. It could be all kinds of things. Somebody you know, helping the poor, helping you know, help whatever. Whatever the, the need is that God wants to fulfill um, it takes people to do that. And it takes more than one person. Why is that? Why does God take more than one person? Because it's, it's a bigger job than any one person can do. And he also wants us to work together. Because by working together, we grow up. That's what uh, in Ephesians 4, when it says that he gave gifts unto men, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, so on and so on, that the working together for the good Causes everybody to grow up. When we work together towards these things, somebody praying, somebody sending with finances, somebody going you know, individually, or somebody training someone else how to do something, all of those pieces all fit together to the, to the full, to the whole of his work being done. But as we do that together, we all grow up we have to walk in love with each other we have to we have to to rub the rough edges off of us we have to do all of these things together so that as we do it we all grow up we there are no lone rangers in the kingdom there we're not we're not hey guys you know I I'm, I'm the pastor here and I'm going to I'm the one who's going to fulfill God's plan for this church and you guys just you know stay out of the way well hello no, that's not even it's just it's just dumb to even think that. We're all in this together. And we all have a part to play. But if you don't play your part, we'll suffer for a period of time until God brings somebody else in to do it. But you will definitely suffer. The
4: individual will suffer. There's a principle that, that is helpful to understand and that God doesn't just take you from not doing anything to doing something. Greatness and, in serving him or in the kingdom. But there's a principle of being faithful with little and being promoted to something that's more than faithful in that and then promoted. So things that seem like, well, that's just kind of a little thing or whatever, that those those opportunities as they present themselves, you should take them because they they lead to things that are that are more along the lines of what you actually kind of want to do. And I, I think there's a lot of people that, that they have these dreams that they want to do something significant for, for the kingdom of God. But they, they get so focused on that, they overlook all the opportunities to get promoted to that all around them. And whether it's um, talking with a person that needs someone to, to listen and pray with them, or whatever it is, the, the, those opportunities are all around them. And to, to take advantage of those, it, it helps... You yourself grow, and it helps the other people around you grow, and, and that's that's the way that God has set it up to work. So,
2: Well, I sure hope if I've missed an opportunity, He gives me a second chance. Hopefully and He does, absolutely, He does. Oh, absolutely I he does. Lots of them. <laughs> but to just think that you know, unbeknownst to you, you threw away a chance, and mm-hmm. now the rest of your life doesn't really have much meaning because He's moved on well, to someone
3: else. So many other. <laughs> situations he's still going to use you you're still going to get these new opportunities and maybe because you walked away from that last one and you look back on it and think oh I should have done that the next time it comes your way you're going to be able to jump on it and you're going to be able to hold it because you saw it and you realized that hey before I gave that up I mean there's so many different situations in that I don't think that there's just it's one hit wonder It's it, if it's going to happen, if it's supposed to happen, it's going to
4: come back. I've seen what you're, what you're alluding to kind of play out to its extreme, where the opportunity becomes the idol. And I, I know that some people will get so stressed out about an opportunity, and they deliberate like they can't even make a decision about something, because they're so concerned that if they choose wrong, that it's gonna mess everything up. Well, I don't think that's consistent with, mm. with the way that God works. He's, he's not putting our weakness as the 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 thing that's gonna mess up his whole plan. So he he is he is patient with us and he is, he's willing to give us abundant opportunity to to engage in this. And it's not it's not recommended to continually avoid being obedient when you have these opportunities because eventually they'll it'll run out of time. Mm-hmm. But don't don't elevate the opportunity up to the point of being an idol that it has to be this one opportunity or nothing. Because a lot of times that's when it's extrapolated to a full degree it can can really take people off track.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm convinced and I've seen it in my own life. And one day I finally asked God, do you do this? And i i don't know that I got a—I a, know I didn't get a verbal answer, but I, I got a—I think I'm—I'm I'm onto something—is that God even figures in our frailty? He gives you a chance, no, you know, gives you a chance in October, knowing fully well, well that you're not going to do it. You're going to fall short. You're you're going to not do it. So, but He knows that that first step gets you aware that okay, God wants me to do something, and I have to deal with whatever problem or whatever the whatever the frailty in my life is right now that caused me to not do it, so then he, gives, he knows there's another opportunity coming up in November. And then you get a little bit further in November, but you still didn't do it. You couldn't bring yourself to, to, to take that step. And he's not going, oh, that's it. No, he knows there's another, coming, another opportunity coming up in January, but that and that he just knew you needed that little extra nudge a couple of times to get there. Um, years ago, I was in uh, uh, at Abundant Life. We were at Abundant Life. and I was the youth pastor there. And when I I grew up in a Christian home, grew up in a Christian home, went to church my whole life uh, as a kid, uh, fell away from God for five years, did stupid things, did all kinds of things. And the pastor, Pastor Kevin, was talking about the leading of God, how God leads us, and the choices that we make, and how so on and so forth. And in that all of a sudden the realization came to me as like, man I made some really bad choices for for many years consistently bad choices that took me off the track of where I should be where I could have been and that was the sense I was getting during the service was I could have been somewhere else, Lord and I, and I remember in the service going Lord where would I have been if I hadn't made those bad choices where would I be you know, would I be doing this or this or this? And I was thinking, where where would I have been if I had not disobeyed you? And very clearly the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you'd be in that chair right now doing what you're doing. He's, he has the ability to bring us right back to where we're supposed to be. That's, that's God's restorative power. We don't have to look at, well, I, I married the wrong person. Because I wasn't a Christian when I got married. Oh my gosh! Did I marry the wrong person? Did I did I take the wrong jobs all these years? Did I do this wrong? Did I do? No. God is God. God is is He does not look at our frailties and limit us to the greatness of his His greatness. The what? Should have could have? The what? Should have could have? You are who you are.
2: But then I think He's got the ability. Well, I, I mean, we all would agree with that. But I think He'll take your bad decisions. And the stuff that you went through and use it for his glory in the future, mm-hmm. the education that you received in that. Mm-hmm. I am the person I
0: am because of those five years mm-hmm. and all the other years put together now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But in those five years, I, I look at life differently than I would have had I not done that. Now, he didn't lead me down there to get there. You know, he didn't lead me through that crud, you know, saying, Oh, John, you need to experience this, and you need to experience it. No. He could have gotten me here that way anyway had I made the right decisions. But I am who I am now. And I have the, the ability to talk to who I have, to, you know, and see things the way I see it and treat people the way I treat them because I understand. I, I have mercy for and people. And one
2: day there might be somebody that has the same similar five years that comes in contact with you. And
0: well, it, it happens all the time where somebody goes, well, you wouldn't understand because because this was this was the way I was. and like... Been there, done that. I understand it. God still loves you. God still forgives you. So we, now when's our next pilot? After January, mm-hmm. we've got just a little bit left here. Absolutely. Then we we'll finish That's up. I've actually got to take off. You gotta head up. Yeah. We will start back up. What's the date, guys? the It's not. Not next Wednesday, not the following Wednesday, because that's the first of
1: January, 7th, January 8th. I know that. Yeah. January
0: 8th is a Wednesday. Yes, correct. That's the date. You can oh, take those. No, yeah, can take, oh, take okay. these because Grace will
1: kill me. January,
0: <laughs> <laughs> January 8th will be our first. And <laughs> we'll start out Thank with us. The food was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas.
0: All right. God's hand in history never rules out our actions. The actions of Esther and Mordecai were critical to the preservation of the people of God. God's will is accomplished, and yet men are perfectly free agents. Haman did as he pleased. Uh, Xerxes did what he wanted to. So did Mordecai and Esther. We see no interference, no coercion. They all do (laughs) their will and bear full responsibility. That's the important part. Because people, people can say... Well, if God was doing something specific through Mordecai or through Haman, how could He be judged for being who He was? That isn't the point. Or you could you, the one that people always use is Judas. That's a good one. The uh, or the Pharaoh, Pharaoh that you know that, that God did all the miracles against. You know, because well, it even says in the New Testament, God creates people to be who they are. Why can God judge Pharaoh for being Himself if that really worked into God's plan? It doesn't seem fair in our human understanding. The the truth of it, the reason is, is that God just, he, he just allowed that person to be who they were and He used that situation to bring glory to Himself. They did what they did. We do what we do. And we deserve everything that we get for it. If Apart from God, if someone, if someone um, even the nicest person in the world, dies in their sin and has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, do they deserve hell? Yes. Because they rejected Jesus.
2: It's so hard to...
0: It's hard to... It, it, in our humanness, it's hard to... Because we see we see our frailty in their frailty.
1: And it's hard to tell other people that. Mm-hmm. See, they just go, Oh, this person is wonderful. How could God... Send... I mean... It's so hard to,
0: you know, for them to grasp it like that. If they're not born again at all. The Lord, but 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 that is the truth of it. Is is that not one is righteous? Everyone is sinful. Everyone deserves punishment yeah. outside of Jesus Christ. But that's why He came. We don't have to go there. We don't have the people don't have to die in that sin. He gave them us. He gave us the opportunity to have life. Now we have to humble ourselves, and that's really the the crux of this whole thing. And and you look at Haman. You look at you look at uh, uh, Xerxes. You look at all these people. Queen Vashti. The the things that motivated them were the same things that motivate us today. Pride. I want to do it my way. I want to be the one in charge. And the truth of it is, is that we don't get to be in charge. The truth is, we need. God. We, we we don't just need Him. We must have Him. We must have His leading in our life. And if we don't let Him lead us, if we refuse to do it His way, then it's about pride. And pride is the same sin that Satan committed. The same sin that Adam and Eve committed. I'm going to do it my way. And look at the pain and the suffering and that, that one little seemingly innocuous sin of eating a fruit that God said don't eat. I mean, come on. If our kid, you know, ate the fruit that we told them not to eat, we'd slap their hands and then we'd forget about it the next day. But yet God has punished mankind for 6,000 years for that one act of disobedience. Well, it isn't the fact that he's punishing us for that act. That is the fruit of that disobedience. The fruit of pride is death. And, it, and we deserve everything we would get for all of eternity. The punishment we would receive by being separated from Christ, we deserve it outside of Christ. That's why we have to be saved. That's why we have to humble ourselves and allow Him to be the Lord of our lives. Accept what He did at the cross. And to allow Him to save us. We need saving
2: So many of my friends that I know that aren't saved, you know. Pictures mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you sick. And you try and talk to them, and they just, you know, can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. I this one gal, Judy
3: Wise. I, I thought she really knew the Lord, but I asked her before my surgery. I said, "You pray for me." Well, I don't know. I'll do something though for you, but you know, I
2: just just scared of that with prayer. Just scared mm-hmm. her.
0: Being intimate with God, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's, you know, that when you look at these people and you look what happened to them, we just we're in the same shoes. We have to. There is a way that seems right to man, but it leads to death.
1: That's
0: what the Bible says. But he has given us a different way to live, and by following him, letting him lead us and guide us, we can be on the other side of it. We can be on the on the the saving side, the Esther side, where where God prolonged their existence, where He he blessed them because they humbled themselves. She humbled herself. You know, as soon as, at every step of the way, she humbled herself and said, okay, God, what do you want me to do next? I mean, when she fasted and prayed, it wasn't just, okay, I'm going to go out without a few meals and I'm going to take a nap. She sat there for days, three days, and said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? And then she did it. Yesterday, then three days.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and she asked everybody in the whole, all the Jews to, to fast and pray.
3: And and, so, and she she and her handmaidens, mm-hmm. who weren't Jews, more than likely, mm-hmm. she had them fast as well.
0: Yep. So so that is a sign of humility. Okay, God, what do you want? When when uh, Mordecai found out about the the death sentence that Haman had signed, he tore his clothes. It was a sign of humility. God help us. Help me, please help me. By allowing, by allowing God to to lead and guide, then they knew what to do. And by doing that, then they saved all of Israel. well you know? Yes, it was. It, things just happened, and people just did. But but they also had to be obedient. Mordecai had to be obedient. Uh, he had to tell Xerxes um, that there was a threat against his life. That was you know, if he hadn't done that. He would have never been set up in a place to be able to say, to be a He'd part of it. Probably
2: didn't admire Xerxes
0: either. Probably not. He was a captor. He was, uh, you know, this and that. But he was obedient to God. He was obedient to and, and and the principle of obedience. The principle of honor says it doesn't matter who the person is. You know, I don't necessarily agree with with some of our leaders, and not just the president, but other leaders. Uh, their the choices they're making, the laws that they're passing. But if I heard about a plot against them, against their lives, I need to be a part of helping save them because they're a human being, and, and we don't allow those things to go. We don't we don't withhold help from someone that that can you that we need to be able to help, even if we disagree with them. That's what that's what Mordecai did, and because of him, because of that obedience, it set him up to be in the right place at the right time when the whole nation. See, good being, being loyal to, to God and have the right principles working in your life will come, to, will come back to bless you every time. Okay. Last thought. God in His wise and providential plan allows His people to be tested, sometimes severely. We must not suppose that the servants of God will be protected from every trial because the trials are part of God's designs. The things that we go through the things that we experienced, the years that I worked in that place and it was a horrible job and I, I really hated every minute of it, also made me who I am today. Every bit of it prepares us for all that God has. Last of all, let each child of God rejoice that we have a guardian so near the throne. Every Jew in Shushan must have felt hope when he remembered that the Queen was Jew. Today, let us be glad that Jesus is sitting at the, at the right hand of the Father, Amen. Hallelujah! Thank you all for this is a great class. It's probably been one of my favorite classes so far, And not just because of the food.
4: <laughs> what are we studying
0: next? Thessalonians, New Testament. We'll do First and Second Thessalonians and beyond. We'll get as far as we can go
4: because
0: they're short books and maybe take one a night or a couple of night. And you're
3: going to bypass Philippians.
0: Did I? Is, is Philippians first? It's,
3: we did Galatians and Ephesians and then we had the No, same. no, we'll do Philippians, Philippians. So we'll start with Philippians
0: Philippians and Colossians first Yep, we'll do Philippians first Somebody said Thessalonians So that was stuck in my head
2: <laughs> Yeah, I think you said Col- Philippians and Colossians last week Yeah, yeah I
0: think yeah. we did too yeah?
2: We did Galatians and Ephesians mm-hmm. um, well, You stopped over the summer? To
0: During the summer we, we stop at the end of May. Yes
2: We'll be back in time. For She's leaving for Texas. Oh. Let's oh, see. I'm going to Texas. back. She's got options.
0: Always good to have options.
2: I'm yeah. driving her down and I told her I haven't gotten my plane ticket yet because then there's that option she can come back. Or there's the option
0: you can stay down
2: there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, by the time I return... I will be of age to retire. There you go. Yeah. Are you going to? No. no, I have to wait till no not have to. I'm going to wait till July. Because the difference between me retiring June 30th or July 1st is a hundred and fifty dollars difference per month for the rest of my life hmm. in my pension. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let us pray and then we'll eat more food and be dismissed. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that we've learned through this class and how, we've, how it has, has stretched us, how it's challenged us, how it's increased our faith and our hope. Thank you, Lord, that you are involved with our lives and that you have our best interests in mind. Father, we, we thoroughly adore you and, and glorify you and thank you, Father,
1: for all that you have done for us. To you be the glory, Father, in Jesus' name.